Welcome, coaches. This is Tony Schiffman, and you are listening to the Hog Football Podcast. The Hog Football Chat was created as a way for coaches to talk about all things football and all things offensive line, and we took off via Twitter. With the help of so many great sponsors, we were able to create an amazing network of our coaching community. Now we've decided to launch our first ever podcast series. Please don't forget to check out those amazing sponsors on Twitter. This podcast series is presented by Platform, an online strength and conditioning tool that partners with over 800 schools across the country. Go check out platform.com, that's P-L-T-4-M.com for our full series and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. Don't forget to check out at Coach Schiffman on Twitter and use the hashtag HogFootballChat when you're there. We have a great episode for you today, so let's go ahead and kick this off. Before we even kick off the podcast, I want to just remind everyone to go like, subscribe, and keep up with these weekly episodes. If you like what you hear, spread the word so more coaches can tune in for our weekly podcasts. All right, here we go. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Hog Football Podcast. Today I've got with me Coach Robert Stowe. Coach Stowe is currently the offensive line coach at Clear Lake High School in Clear Lake, Iowa, and uh, an alumni of Northwest Missouri State University, where he was a two-year letter winner and a four-year member of the football team. Coach, what's going on? How are you? Good, man. Just, uh, you know, trying to do this e-learning thing and try to navigate, uh, you know, these these tough times that we're all going through right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, first question I've got for you, you've been, uh, you know, you were part of obviously a great program um, in Northwest Missouri State, and you've coached at a lot of great programs. Talk to me a little bit about how the offensive line played a part in the success of those teams. Um, when I was at Northwest Missouri State, I had the privilege of playing under Adam Doral. Um, he's currently the head coach at Abilene Christian University down in Texas. Um, the good thing with that, uh, you know, he was he was an incredible offensive mind. And during my time there, he was the offensive line coach and offensive coordinator. And then my last two years, he, he got elevated up to the head coach. So, mm-hmm. um we were kind of an integral part of everything that was going on just because of, uh, you know, we had an offensive minded head coach during those years and uh, everything kind of ran through him. So we kind of had a a deeper knowledge and understanding of what was going on offensively. Right. And honestly, we just kind of, because he was who he was and we kind of had the mental makeup that we had, we kind of took ownership of it. And I think that really helped. um, It helped really drive our success during our time there. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Ownership. You know, you've got to, you've got to, you got to believe in what you're doing and, and, and uh, you got to, you know, if you have that belief, you're going to put forth that effort and that's, uh, that's great. Um, well, we really, and we really just took after him too. I mean, he was, it, it's, it's funny because I think the, the, the further away from my time there I get, the more appreciation I have for it. And right. I mean, he just, he, he, he cared so much about, the product that we were putting out there that it just, it rubbed off on us, you know, when it came down to film study and being perfect, like perfecting your craft. I mean, he knew at the end of the day that a lot of us weren't going to be perfect, but he, he wanted us to strive for it. And I think the biggest thing from him was just having no complacency, you know, always trying to figure out a way to get better, always looking for things to improve upon. And that really kind of set the culture for that offensive line room. Right. Absolutely. You know, kind of going going with your your time in Northwest Missouri State, um, you were a walk on there. Who you know, eventually you earned a scholarship. But just talk to me about your your overall experience at Northwest Missouri State because 
it, Northwest Missouri State is not just, in my opinion, it's not just one of the, you know, the best D2 football programs. It's, it's a nationally known program for all levels. You know, people, yes, it's Division Two, And when people think about Division Two, that's one of the first schools they think of. But it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's high up there in, in, in current football standings for everybody. So uh, just talk to me about kind of your time there and, and, and you know, what, what made it such a special, special place. Well, it, it kind of runs deep for me. Um, my mother uh, and my, you know, my mom's side of the family, uh, they lived in Maryville. They're, they're from Maryville. So I grew up uh, watching Bearcat football when I, was, when I was a little kid. And honestly, you know, I don't remember much, um, you know, from grade school time from what about their success or anything along those lines. But I do remember when things started to shift. Right. Uh, people, people weren't really ever excited about Bearcat football. I know when my parents, my mom and dad met there um, in the early 80s, um, they, weren't, they weren't very good at all. And, um, you know, we were always kind of more of a basketball school and obviously still are. They, I think they won the national title last year and, the, and two years prior to that. And um, it's just a good athletic culture. But not only did my parents go, uh, go to school there, my grandfather worked uh, at the school. And um, I, I was fortunate enough. I went to uh, Liberty High School. It's a, uh, a suburb of Kansas City, mm. and I probably had I probably had four or five former Northwest Bearcats on our coaching staff too. So there was just a heavy influence around me, right? A heavy heavy influence of that culture. And you know, by the time I got there in two thousand, uh, you know, fall of two thousand eight, um, Coach Churchman was the head coach there, and uh, they were I think they had just come off of their fourth uh, consecutive appearance in the national title game. Um, or third, maybe it was, we went, we went to the national title game three or four years in a row before winning it all in 09. Um, but the culture was there. It was established and it was, it was just something completely different than what I had experienced in high school. I had a group of, I had a great group of coaches uh, around me in high school, but, um, when you get around a, a, a culture, like, like the one that coach Churchma had, had set up and, and created in Maryville, it's, it really kind of opened your eyes. You, you know, you think, you know, you, you think, you know how to go about doing things, especially at 18. Right. You know, you know, you're a teenager, you think, you know, everything, you, you know, I thought I worked really hard and <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I still do think at that point I was working hard, but then you get into that environment and you're like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to really step my game up. And, right. Uh, I mean, that's what fueled me. I mean, I was never, I was never, I'm not athletically gifted. I wasn't ever, uh, you know, anything to shake a stick at, but I think just being around the type of guys that coach Churchman recruited being around that coaching staff. Um, and then obviously having that intrinsic, you know, uh, you know, ability to want to be better that my parents had instilled in me that, um, you know, I ended up become, I went from, I went from basically a very bad walk on player to a serviceable <laughs> backup. And I think just me doing that alone um, is a, a tribute to the culture itself. Cause it just elevates everybody, not just, not just the individual, but the team and the right. unit. Um, and uh, you know, we won it in 2009. I was a registered freshman. Um, I think I maybe played in two games that year in, in garbage time minutes. Um, but me and the guys that didn't make the travel team, we went down to watch that game in 2009. Uh, just a crazy experience to to be to call yourself a national champion. Um, you know, I we we only had five scout team O linemen that year. Oh so boy! So I remember, yeah. So I remember I took every snap, every practice. You know, I spent my first three years on the scout team. So I was on the defensive side of the field during practice for you know 80 percent of my days, and right. I felt I felt a real pride 
you know, when we won that thing, I felt like, okay, you know, hopefully I, I gave them a good enough look to get them prepared. And, you know, for us, the guys that were on scout team, you know, you, you almost have to take that mentality. You have to take pride in your job or else you're not going to survive it. Cause there was plenty of guys I played with that, um, you know, that, that ends up being too much. Right. You, know, you were the, you were the man at, at, at your high school and you come there and it's really demanding. You know, we, we basically operate our, we operate as a, uh, you know, as a division one program, at least that's the mentality that we had. And, and it was kind of cut, you know, it was dog eat dog. I mean, we, we were always looking out for each other and helping each other, but at the same time, you know, you, you had, you had to, you had to make the efforts and, and, and do the things you needed to do to, to up your game or else you were, you were going to get, you were going to get passed by. Absolutely. And, uh, it, it's kind of ironic that you, you bring that up because I talked to another coach this morning who, uh, spent time as a scout team quarterback at Wisconsin, and, and it, it made me think of my time as a scout team player at at Augustana, and, and I took great pride in it, you know. And, and, and like I told him, I it was my job to get those guys better for their game on Saturday, and and I it was important to us as a scout team guys to to really make sure that we gave them our 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 one hundred percent effort and you know our and our all to to help them, so it made the job for them easier on Saturday. So. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The, uh, my best friends from that time. I mean, I'm still really, really, really good friends with a bunch of the O linemen. Like I'm in a text thread with them and everything. But mm-hmm. the guys that I, the guys that I lived with were defensive players because I just spent so much time down there. You know, I I took pride. I knew if they were getting mad at me that I was doing my job. Right. You know, and so there there are countless times whether it was you know my buddy Matt Massey or Chad Kilgore or some of the linebackers. If I if I happened to make it to level two and get my hands on them, I was gonna hold the piss out of them and it was oh. <laughs> uh, you know, they would just they would just get they would just get irate. And I that was my goal. I was like Absolutely. I knew if I I knew if I can get my hands on them and just hold them and, and get and get them a little mad that I was gonna get them better at least a little bit. So, Absolutely. And then after that it was uh you know coach coach Churchma retired after the two thousand ten season and then um uh that's when Coach Bostwick took over. And he was our coach, you know, from December until June um, when he passed away of a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a big, that was a big pivotal moment for me because I was at the end of my rope with the uh, scout team. Despite everything I just said, I was kind of, you know, I was, I was kind of, I, I, I like to look at myself as a realist. And I think after three years of being on scout team, um, I was kind of, I was at a crossroads. I knew that I could probably graduate within the next year and a half or so. Right, because at North, at Northwest we all redshirted, so we, you're there for an automatic five unless you got hurt and had to you know do a medical and was there for six. But there was only one guy during my time there that didn't redshirt, and um, you know five years is a long time. And after that third year, um, you know I just came down to it and I said, okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure this is my best spring ball I've ever had, and if I'm still projected at being a scout team as a junior. I'm going to maybe look at it and maybe be in time to hang up my cleats and just, you know, say it, say I tried, you know, right. good. And uh, I don't know. I had a great spring ball, you know, had an interesting meeting with my offensive coordinator, uh, O-line coach. It was just kind of the same thing I'd been going through. It was like, you did really well, but I don't know if it's enough. And I went into my meeting with coach Bostwick and, you know, he was, I don't know. We, we, had, I, even though I wasn't a defensive player and I wasn't a, uh, uh, a linebacker that was the position he coached uh I felt like I'd grown pretty close with him and you know I went into that meeting kind of expecting kind of the same and he basically had told me you know that he appreciated everything that I had done and that 
you know, I think I think he had told me at one point that if he had a hundred of me, that we would win the national championship every year. And he, you know, I know that that's not, I know that's not truthful. He's just saying that to, um, you know, show his gratitude for everything that I had done. But it was, you know, before that time, I hadn't really ever felt like I needed to get verbal confirmation from anybody. I didn't feel like I needed to hear those type of things to be motivated. And mm-hmm. that really, that really like stuck with me. It really, I really was kind of emotional because he told me after I left, you know, or before I left, you know, he's like, you know, you're going to be second string this year. You're off the scout team. Um, and, you know, if you, if you stay, if you maintain that position through the end of the season, then we're going to put, put you on scholarship next spring. And awesome. So, yeah, it was, just, it was, it kind of hit me. I remember calling my dad afterwards and being like really emotional about it. Cause I felt like I'd finally like broken through and it was starting to pay off and, and really it was really unexpected um, too. So, and then unfortunately that, that, you know, probably what, three months later, not even that he passed away of a heart attack. And that was, that was pretty intense. Um, but it was, uh, I don't know. There's just a lot of emotions that come with that. But after that point, um, Adam Durrell got elevated up to head coach and, you know, we, that first year, his first year, my junior year was pretty, um, it was pretty crazy. I mean, the MIAA is just a hornet's nest. You can't ever take a week off. And I no. mean, we had, we had several injuries that, that year. And um, I don't know, it just wasn't meant to be. I mean, we, we were good enough to be a national title contender, but it just didn't turn out that way. I think we lost in the first or second round of the playoffs that year. And um, it was tough. And then my senior year, 2012, you know, kind of taking the scout team look at it. Um, we were kind of the guys that bridged the gap. Um, I have a, I have a class photo in here of all of us. And I'm just looking at all of us. And, you know, we, I think when I came in in 2008, we had 33 signees and 10 walk-ons plus a couple. So I think we were around 44, 45 guys in my class. And on that photo there, I think we have 16, you know, so we went from 44 to 16 and we were the most ragtag <laughs> like group of dudes of all time. Like, you know, I think four, I think three of our five captains were walk-ons. Um, you know, a couple guys had just hang back for sixth year uh, medicals. Um, you know, several, several guys either moved on and transferred or quit. Just that, that's a normal thing. But right. I just remember, I just remember, you know, we went to, I think the second or third round of the playoffs, lost to Minnesota Mankato, Adam Thielen and those guys, I think by a point. And uh, I just remember thinking like, you know, you don't ever want to settle, but God, we overachieved as a class. <laughs> and, and it was like, you know, I didn't feel that then that was kind of emotions later and after the fact, but right. Um, I don't know. I, I felt really good about what we were able to achieve as a class and what we were able to do. And then, you know, the next year they went undefeated and won the national title. And that was, you know, there was like, there was probably about a minute or two while I was at that game. I was like, man, I wish that was me. Cause I saw a couple guys that I'm really good friends with that were still there as six year guys, or even, um, you know, the, the dudes that I've had become really close with that were a year or two younger. And, mm-hmm. but that quickly went away. I mean, that, cause that's, that's what we do there. It's, you know, you, you take a vested interest in the guys underneath you and that's how you build that culture and that program up. And, you know, that's my first couple of years there. I, I, I got mentored by all these older guys uh, that were, that were on the team, Reed Kirby, Tom Pestock, Matt Nelson, Jeremy Davis, Dane Wardenberg, Jason Wiseman. I mean, those guys were, they knew that they had their jobs locked and, and they were not afraid of us coming in and, and trying to take their jobs either. I mean, they were, they were open books. If I had a question for them, they were always going to answer it. They were always right. going to be honest with me. 
And AD always stressed that. He's like, if you want, if you want, you know, your legacy is about what happens after you leave. I mean, yeah, you're, you're, what you do here is very important, but how you leave the program is also just as important, if not more important. And you do that by taking a vested, in, vested interest in the guys underneath you. And I mean, those first few years, three or four years there, you know, they were, they were signing center after center. And, and, and my job was to teach them the pass protections and, and, and everything that was taught to me. And I did it. And every year they just kind of started dropping off. And I, I, you know, I made it the point that I was still going to compete with them, but I was also going to teach them as much as I could. Right. And I think ultimately like what, no matter what program I've been a part of, that always seems to be a main theme that I try to push towards my older guys is, you know, if you go undefeated and win a state title this year, great. But that kid that's going to take your place next year, the team that's going to step up in your place next year, how, do, how, how they perform is a reflection of your leadership. Right. And I try to get those guys to really understand that because it's, it's, it, you know, it's the ultimate team sport and everything. It's so much bigger. It's so much bigger than just yourself and so much bigger than just the moment. If you truly care about your alma mater, your, your, you know, your, your high school, your college, the team that you're playing for, then you're going to do everything in your power now to make sure that this thing doesn't fall off when you leave. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I mean, it's, that's, you know, that comes with pride and that comes with, 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 you know, making sure that again, like you're, like you said, keeping, keeping that tradition alive and, and keeping those guys, you know, going through the program and, and making sure they keep the tradition alive as well. So that's awesome. Absolutely. Um, you know, one question I've got for you about that before we move on to the next, next topic is, is your first year was 2008. Um, do you remember blocking Mo Dampier and scout team? Yeah, I do. How do you know about Mo Dampier? So Mo Dampier <laughs> is from Decatur, which is only about 25 yep. minutes away from Springfield. So I remember, I kind of remember him growing up. He's obviously I'm older than him, uh, but I remember reading about him in the newspaper. Um, and then, uh, you know, I remember when he went to Oklahoma and then kind of disappeared and then ended up at, at Northwest Missouri State. And I remember watching him as just a huge, enormous man uh, oh. playing football. And then I actually played semi-pro football against Mo and with Mo. And and not the you know not to not to derail us too much, but the one thing I remember about Mo playing with him was that he was a very intelligent football player. He knew the game really really well oh man dude <laughs> that was my freshman year you know yeah. and I'm a I'm a walk-on uh five foot ten 260 pound walk-on center and he was I don't know he was easily six four six five and yeah. at that point he had gotten to probably 450 pounds yeah <laughs> and and just and just was the most like I the strongest smartest I mean it, if he gave you his all for those, for those one or two plays he was in, yeah, you, you couldn't, you didn't stand a chance. I just remember it just being laughable because they would pull up the defensive film from practice and they'd be like in a 30, a three man look. And the way the camera was angled, if he was in a zero, you couldn't see me <laughs> like at all. I was just completely engulfed by this dude. And he, yeah. you know, I, you know, he, yeah, I remember he would he, when we made the playoffs that year, and we were on ESPN. I remember everybody was kind of wowing over him, and you know, I other than him just absolutely demolishing me on on several occasions. The the biggest thing I remember about him was just him how nice he was. Oh, he definitely, was such, such a good dude. Absolutely, good dude. his and and his his father for a long time was a referee. 
um, in the area. And so he, he would do a lot of our high school games and, and, and always back then, even then was, was such a, a nice guy. And, and um, yeah, pretty, it, but yeah, I just, I was looking at your, at your, uh, at your resume and trying to figure out if the times matched up. So yeah, they, oh, they yeah. obviously did, but yeah, he yeah. was a, he was a, he was a treat. That's for sure. Yeah, man. He yeah. was awesome. So my, my last question before we get to the end of this is kind of just briefly, you know, you're in your teaching background, you're very, um, you're very much into technology and, and into computers and things of that nature. How much of that do you use with, with your team at all? If, if any at all, um, or, you know, is there any sort of, of, uh, of combination or, or transfer of that tech to, to the football team? Yeah. I mean, it, I try to, I try to integrate it whenever I can without getting too crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, originally I was a PE guy and, and unless you're in the right place, right time, it's hard to get a PE job. And so I kind of transitioned into, I got an alternative cert in Missouri for uh, business education. And that was uh, pretty useful because at least in Missouri at the time and at the school I was at, um, the business department was kind of encapsulating a lot of different things. I was teaching computer science classes, but I was also teaching personal finance and intro to business. So I kind of got a, 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 a good, uh, a good variety there to kind of play around with. And I had, uh, one of my good buddies had started kind of, uh, a PR, uh, kind of a creative firm at the time. His name was Matt Jasinski and he was doing a lot of, uh, that was right. That was really when, it was like t- around 2012, 2013, 2014, kind of when, at least at the Division II level for our school, they really started diving into like propping up the the Twitter account and putting out good content right. and realizing the importance behind that. And he was a big, he played a, a massive part in that. And so it, it kind of piqued my interest. And I started diving into like some very amateur Photoshop stuff and, and, and uh, video editing and kind of trying to be the poor man's version of what he was doing for whatever school I was at. And that in turn, I ended up getting a, a PE job at a school. And uh, even though that's what I'd worked really hard at uh, and worked hard to get, it just wasn't a good fit for me. And when I was looking for a place to go, um, there was a computer science job open and um, they asked me if I'd be interested in teaching it. And I was like, yeah, I've definitely had some, some background in it. And, um, and they informed me it was going to be coding. And I was like, well, I don't know anything about that. And they're like, well, that's fine. Cause nobody does. So we're going <laughs> to teach you, we're going to, we're going to get you the training to do it. And I'm like, okay, fine. So that's kind of what I'm still in the process of doing now. But you know, with my, with my O-line guys specifically, um, you know, huddle is a huge thing. It's a great tool, especially for remote learning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that, that kind of goes, uh, without being said, but, um, I utilize Google classroom quite a bit. Um, I, I create a, uh, uh, you know, Clear Lake Hogs, uh, uh, Google Classroom. And from there, I, I post relevant information about camps that are coming up. Right. Um, because it's, <laughs> Huddle's, a, Huddle's a good thing, but um, I think at times, I, I just don't know how, how, how often the kids check their Huddle messages. You know, it's there. Um, it's kind of hard to tell. So I know for a fact that a lot of them have Google Classroom because of the teachers and, and with our school being a, a Google school. I just want to have just one more avenue so anything I send out via huddle, I also push out on Google classroom just to make sure I cover all my bases. But right. on my, on my Google classroom, I'll post stuff about camp information in the summer, um, information about like our OTAs and workouts. Um, there's a, uh, that's also where I'll post up my Google sheet where I put our, our week to week grades so they can, they can view it that way. Um, but other than that, like that's pretty much it. The next, the, my next phase, I think in, in integrating more technology is, 
um, I had the opportunity to do my first uh, clinic talk this past year, and I realized I didn't have any 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 teach tape. I didn't have any drill tape, and so mm-hmm. I'm thinking about getting you know having a having a kid come out and get you're maybe getting a manager or somebody to film some of my drills. And I'm there's a, a one of my mentors. His name's Dan Llewellyn. He's the uh, offensive line coach at Liberty North. He's always been really good about putting together like uh, uh, PowerPoint presentations, like an O-line manual for his kids. Um, so that way they can kind of look at in the spring um, and uh, before they start doing O-line drills in the mornings and then going into the summertime. So that way he can kind of get some of the basics out of the way, at least for the older guys, the the stance and uh, different techniques that they use. And I think ultimately, especially with times like this and with us not really knowing what our future holds and this could, you know, a pandemic could, you know, pop up at any time, I guess now that I think I'm going to start putting together kind of my own little O-line manual for the basic stuff like stance and right. drill work. That way I can, my kids can benefit from it. I can benefit from it. Um, that's pretty much it. I, you know, I, I try to, I try to give my kids space. I don't want to, uh, you know, smother them too much. Uh, they have, our kids have a lot of, a lot of things going on. We have the kids, in multi-sports, multi-activities, uh, work and jobs. And I want to respect their time at the same time. If they want to push it harder, if they want to commit more time to their craft, I'm here for that. But I'm also, I don't want to turn them off from it either. And um, that's where I, I feel like I've done a good job at kind of limiting my my reach with the tech. You know, right. I, I, keep, I keep it to huddle and Google Classroom. And if they want more, I've got it. You know, and right. I've, had sev- I've had several that do it, but at the same time, you know, I'm not going to, you know, think, think, you know, think down on a kid or talk down on a kid for not wanting that extra work. I just, I push the message out there. If they take it, great. If not, you know, it is what it is. So, right. you know, during the, during this time, COVID, I've been pushing out uh, the I think, uh, offensive line performance with Charles Bentley and NFL teamed up and we're putting out some at home body weight banded workouts. And I was just Every day they post it, I post the link on Google Classroom. And I do have a few kids that have been doing it, which is great. But I think for everybody, whether you're college or uh, high school, that's kind of the next hurdle is figuring out how we're going to make this summer training work so our, our uh, falls can be productive. Yeah, absolutely. I don't even want that, 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 to – we could get going on that for a whole another, uh, another three hours of talk right there. So we'll, oh we'll avoid God. that one for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, so last question I've got for you, and, and, and uh, you know, you need to think about this one a bit, but if you could put together a Mount Rushmore of offensive linemen um, from guys you've coached, guys you played with, or guys you were just a fan of, who would be on that five-man offensive line? <laughs> I mean, we, we, I think we've done this a few times on Twitter. We have. I've participated in it, and I think, you know, I, I'm a huge – I'm a homer. I'll admit it. And, like, I'll say this. The – the, the offensive line that was intact at, at, at Northwest Missouri State when I got there, um, I, I've never seen anything operate like that. I mean, they were they were all, uh, you know, fifth-year seniors or older, except for our right tackle. Our, our right tackles were both sophomores that rotated every other series. Uh, but the other four, um, Jeremy Davis, um, I believe, was at the University of Houston at one point took some time off and found his way to Northwest. Matt Nelson was a, was a townie. I think he's currently the strength conditioning coordinator at Pittsburgh state. Um, and, uh, Tom Pestock, he's currently, uh, in the WWE, his name's Baron Corbin now. <laughs> and, 
And then the left, uh, our left tackle, Reed Kirby, had used to play at uh, University of Kansas and then took some time off and found his way to Northwest as well. But mm-hmm. those guys, <laughs> I don't know. I, anytime I, anytime I, I get to talk about them, I, I do because they, they just were so dominant. They were so smart. And I, and I think just being in a system for, the, for that many years too, I think uh, plays itself to allow that kind of thing. And, AD, and the big thing too is AD trusted them. And right what I got to see and learn from, like, I don't think I end up being the serviceable backup that I ended up being um, without the help of those guys. Um, but for fun, I mean, you know, when I, when I was growing up, I started playing football in fifth, sixth grade, and that was prime years for Willie Rofe and Will Shields, mm-hmm. Casey, Casey Wigman, Brian Waters, all those guys at the Kansas City Chiefs with Priest Holmes in the backfield. I mean, when I really started paying attention to football and, 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 and what the offensive line was really about, um, that was those were the guys, and it was yeah. cool to have that have that in my backyard and, and learn from. Because I mean, Willie Rowe from Will Shields, and then combined had like twenty some odd Pro Bowls, both Hall of Famers. Uh, I actually got to meet Casey Wigman for the first time this past season. He was an Iowa Hawkeye. Yep. And uh, um, I play for uh, uh, Jared DeVries, who's also an Iowa Hawkeye, and they're both from Applington Parkersburg. Um, products of Coach Thomas there. And uh, that was pretty neat too, because I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't seen him in years. At least, for, you know, I, I've never met the guy, but he had lost, he's lost quite a bit of weight. And I remember he was sitting in Jared's office after we got done with one of our games, and I kind of went over to another, uh, you know, Iowa guy on staff, and I was like, "Is that Casey Wigman?" And he was like, <laughs> and he was like "Yeah," because I, I only played center. Right. I've only ever, I've only ever played center from sixth grade until I graduated my fifth year at Northwest. It was, so he was one of the guys I always kind of looked up to. So that was pretty neat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, it's tough. I mean, I feel like you could talk about it all day. I love watching the, uh, I love watching the Cowboys O-line, obviously. Um, kind of sad to see Travis Frederick uh, uh, retire this past off season. Yeah. Or this off season, I guess. And uh, you know, Wisconsin's always great. I mean, Anyway, the, the, the cool thing I've been kind of diving into lately is that Oregon line, what they, what they did this past season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. My, my opinions are kind of all over the place. Uh, no, that's good. I like if you it. Talk, if you talk to me on a Monday, I might tell you, uh, Larry, Larry Allen's the best guard of all time, but you know, on Tuesday I might say it's Will Shields, you know, it's offensive line, just such a cool position to be involved in. I oh, mean, Absolutely. It's, it doesn't get, I think the closest thing to it, someone asked me recently, or there's a Twitter poll or something. It was like, what coach, what position would you coach other than O-line? And I probably said corner because it's just as technical and you have, you have to be smart. And and despite what people think you have to play physical there too. And everything comes down to your technique and biomechanics and how you move. And that's, I think I have appreciation for those guys that play that position because I think ultimately when you're drafting a team, if you're going to have a good championship football team, you got to have a good secondary, you got to have a good offensive line. Yeah. And it's, and that, yeah, you're right. That is a, uh, that's a tough position to play at that, that, that cornerback spot, especially when you're, you know, playing man up defense and, and kind of in one-on-one with, with, with your guy. So it's, it can be tough for sure. I got, I got, I got respect for those guys. Absolutely. No doubt. Yeah. Well, Coach, we'll get you out of here. Do me a favor before you go. Drop your Twitter handle and, and uh, any other information you want these guys to know. Yeah, um, just, you know, again, Robert Stow, Clear Lake, uh, originally from Kansas City, so shout out to my 816 guys. Um, my Twitter account is at Coach Stow, S-T-O-U-G-H. Um, I'm probably on there a little too much, but I've kind of taken <laughs> the uh, – I've kind of taken the uh, Coach Schiffman and uh, – 
Oh, Coach Smith down there in Arkansas taking their approach. It's like it's a useful tool, and I don't care what anybody thinks about Absolutely. it. So I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep using it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, all right, Coach. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, hopefully we uh, we have a season, and, and good luck to you guys. And uh, you know, stay healthy, stay safe, and we'll we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having right. me on. Thanks again for everyone listening, and remember to go check out platform.com for the full series of Hog Football podcast episodes. We want to thank everybody for their continued support. And be on the lookout for our Hog Football Chat series from Twitter on our website, hogfootballchat.net. You can check out all of our great sponsors and tons of awesome.